On August 3, 1492, Christopher Columbus packed a lunch and a change of underwear and sailed from Palo, Spain in search of a western route to India. It's a popular myth that Europeans then believed the world to be flat and that Columbus would sail off the edge. Though before long, native North Americans would probably wish he had. In 1946, a new generation of explorers challenged a new frontier, supersonic travel. When fierce turbulence claimed the life of pilot Jeffrey de Havilland, some said it represented a new law of physics, that the sound barrier could not be broken. Thank goodness that, to paraphrase Bugs Bunny, Chuck Yeager never studied law. On May 6, 1954, England's Roger Bannister confounded the experts who until then believed the four-minute mile would never be broken. Maybe because they all seemed to run in slow motion back then. A more recent record holder, Hikam El Garouche, would have to wait 13 seconds at the finish line for Bannister to arrive. October 15th. 2006. Another time, another barrier. Until that day, no one believed that I, Terry O'Reilly, could clear the ladies' tee at the Ocean Reef Golf Club in Key Largo, Florida. They had a point. This is a show about frontiers and boundaries of a different kind. Not physical, but social. Barriers, often unspoken, that limit what we say, what we do, and how we act. Stick around, and I'll show you how advertising is the single greatest chronicle of social frontiers and boundaries. I'll show you how boundaries are in constant flux, and which barriers are only now being broken in the age of persuasion. Read my lips. I've fallen, and I can't get up. Don't be a square. The only thing we have to fear is... Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes. Outstanding. And they are mild. And now, Terry O'Reilly and the Age of Persuasion. All the humanity of cops, Dyson's, Menses. <laughs> it's that simple. Bellwether is a Middle English term referring to a weather, or male sheep. A castrated male sheep. Specifically, the leader of a flock who wears a bell. If you know where he's going, you've got a pretty good idea which way the flock is headed. Castration notwithstanding, advertising is perhaps the greatest bellwether of today's tastes and tolerances. No kidding. It's hard to imagine a form of expression more tightly bound by popular taste and opinion, more than television, film, or literature, more than popular music. And while those winds are constantly changing, there are a few constants. Today, as in our parents' time, politics is a forbidden subject. But while politics might be out of bounds, in the post-Watergate era, politicians are fair game. I would like to begin with a few words in a calm and measured manner. 
Slowly, I'm going to work my way up into something slightly pacier, peaking now and then slowing down again. But this new sentence, nay, 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 new paragraph marks the start of a completely new and important point I have to make. I'm feeling rather worked up now as I launch into the fiery bit and the veins in my neck begin to swell. And as I smack the lectern with the palm of my hand for dramatic effect, everyone in the audience is looking extremely startled. After an uncomfortable pause, I seem to have composed myself and returned to the gentle manner I started with, which makes everyone in the audience feel more at ease again. But wait! I have one more point to make, this time with a smile, but still loud for a rousing finale! Thank you! Watch our politicians get to grips with the country's most pressing issues. The Parliamentary Service on Channel 58. Only on DSTV. The secret to that ad, from South Africa, is that the actor is saying what everybody is thinking, but what few, in real life, would dare say. That politicians, like preachers, often feign spontaneity, blustering and sputtering for effect. What sustains that monologue so beautifully is its storyline, of starting gently, working to a full bluster, pausing for effect, speaking gently, then launching a second salvo. The technicalities of advertising are fairly easy to regulate. Canadian ads are bound by hundreds, maybe thousands of rules. You can't drink a beer in a beer ad, or use a popular children's character as a pitchman. If you want to call a product fresh, you need to satisfy a stack of regulations as thick as the Greater Montreal Phone Directory. Yet, prevailing tastes and tolerances are almost impossible to define and regulate, which is why there's no rule against running an ad like this. Excuse me? Yes? I've got this problem. But I... It's my feet. They're horribly foul-smelling. It's this fungus under my big toenail. It's got this yellowy, pussy... Sir, I, I don't work here. Oh. I just came in to get milk. So, you don't want to see it? Yet another great reason to buy your milk at Max. To a generation desensitized to shock, that ad stands out, without stirring the outrage it might have just a few years ago. It's no surprise that so many of today's ads would never have aired in our parents' time and beyond. But the interesting thing is, how many ads from the past would never be tolerated today? Today's marketers regard African North Americans as a cherished consumer base. Just 150 years ago, they were a commodity. Advertising was a vital component of the slave trade, announcing auctions, and offering a bounty on escaped slaves. It's said that the legendary Harriet Tubman preferred to liberate slaves on Saturdays. With no Sunday papers, it gave her a free day before the escape could be advertised. For the next century, advertising would reflect just how slowly North America was marching towards equality. Andy, Andy, come on, let's get going. Wait a minute, Amos, what's going on here? It's the Amos and Andy Show. It's said that the hugely popular Amos and Andy Show was originally an advertising vehicle to sell Pepsodent toothpaste. 
it featured two white actors in the style of blackface minstrel shows popular at the time. African North American icons were invariably servants, buffoons, and or comic relief. What are we having, Gussie? Orange juice, scrambled eggs, and you know what? Ham, Gussie? Not ham, wham! If you ain't eating wham, you ain't eating ham. Mainstream ads showed its white Anglo-Saxon audiences the world as they tolerated it. A world where the Irish are cops or drunks, or both. Scots are thrifty. East Indians are mystics. A time when little black Sambo cartoons played in movie houses. Now run along the plane, honey child. But watch out for that bad old tiger. That old tiger sure do like dark meat. The legacy of this time are brand icons, benevolent domestics such as Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben. In 1925, Cream of Wheat paid a waiter $5 to pose as Uncle Remus, the image that graced their product for 75 years. It wasn't until 1963, exactly a century after the Emancipation Proclamation, that New York Telephone ran a print ad showing a man in a business suit walking to a phone booth. New York papers reported it as the first print ad featuring an African-American in a non-stereotypical context. For years, Hong Kong company Holly and Hazel sold Darkie brand toothpaste. On the package was a bulging-eyed black-faced minstrel. In 1985, it was rechristened Darley and the image changed, though its Chinese name still means black man toothpaste. Yet advertising would continue to reflect a popular desire to marginalize ethnic minorities, and by no means was it as simple as black and white. In the 40s, war validated a common view of Japanese people as buck-toothed buffoons with round, thick Emperor Hirohito glasses. You're a sap, 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 Mr. Jap, Mr. Jap! Back to present ancient Chinese pantomime, just for fun of it, Jello tonight. Society, and the advertising that reflected it, were no kinder to the Chinese people. Jello, famous Western delicacy. It wasn't until the 70s and the series Kung Fu that Chinese actors got to play characters with an IQ in double digits, though this enlightenment did not extend to casting the lead role. The decidedly un-Chinese David Carradine won the role over Bruce Lee, among others. Advertising from that same era shows that stereotyping was alive and well. How do you get shirts so clean, Mr. Lee? Ancient Chinese secret. My husband, some hotshot. Here's his ancient Chinese secret, Calgon. Calgon's two water softeners soften wash water so detergents clean better. In hardest water, Calgon helps detergents get laundry up to 30% cleaner. We need more Calgon. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Here's a suggestion you shouldn't forget When you choose the right girl, choose the right cigarette For those moments of pleasure when dancing's been swell Relax and enjoy yourself, light of pell-mell Oh, those good old days, when a great evening was as simple as a dart and a dame. 
But yesterday's joys are today's poisons. Here's an ad you won't hear nowadays. This is the action. Not that it isn't plenty hep. This is the room. The active room. This is the floor for the active rooms. A beautiful floor for an active room like a family. What's the matter with selling flooring for active cats like you and me? Well, the devil is in the details. Vinyl asbestos with the beauty and texture of a handcrafted swirl chip design. An asbestos floor goes perfectly with that new shade of lead paint. It was a time, not so long ago, when chemical was not a four-letter word, and when radiation was our friend. Busy you, in and out of doors every day. Think how much dust and dirt settle on your skin. In this cleansing cream demonstration, a model's face is covered with a small layer of everyday dirt and grime, spiked with radiation. This same kind of dirt was made just radioactive enough to register on a Geiger counter. But don't worry, this cleansing cream removes dirt, grime, and plutonium. The Geiger counter proved that Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream cleanses up to two and a half times more thoroughly. Apparently that's what they mean by radiant. A clean skin is a healthy skin. Advertising is more than a chronicle of a time when we danced, smoked, and irradiated our cares away. It also documents the long struggle to determine who wears the pants in modern culture. My name is Terry O'Reilly, and this is The Age of Persuasion. Yep, we live in a rough-and-tumble, rock'em-sock'em world where men are king. if our wives tell us it's okay. This is a man's In the past, we've looked at how advertising reflects the eternally fascinating male-female dynamic. Yet it also reflects the enormity of change in the woman's place in society. Gone, but not forgotten, are the days when a woman's horizon stretched only as far as the kitchen walls. Unless you count the grocery store. Easy there, George. Break it gently. You're bringing J.B. home to dinner. And his wife. You want things to look nice, but not showy. Don't want to give the wrong impression. Back then, a woman's time to shine was the night her husband brings J.B. and his wife to dinner. Ads like these are neither hero nor villain. They're simply a reflection of a society's dominant self-image at a given time. Your coffee, sir. Thanks, beautiful. You're welcome. How can such a pretty wife make such bad coffee? I heard that. Changing ads would reflect the changing role of women as they found their way in a man's world. This flat tire needs a man, but when there's no man around, an ad showed women how to cope with its perils, such as a flat tire when there's no man around to help. Yep, changing tires. That's what we do. When there's no man around, Goodyear should be. Want proof that times are changing? Back then, Goodyear painted men as burly, strong protectors of stranded damsels. What's Goodyear's current vision of the burly he-man? Would you believe? the wonderfully hapless 
Tom Sharp. Boy, this is one wicked blizzard, huh? Time to put Goodyear's Ultra Grip Ice Radials to the test. My lovely wife, Nancy, is navigating. Turn left, honey. No, it's a right. Goodyear Ultra Grip Ice Radials offer extra body control even on the iciest surfaces. These tires give us incredible control, and we've been out here for, what, two, maybe three hours? Days. Now turn right. It's a left. See? Home sweet home. That's an igloo. No. We're lost. No way. Oh, boy. I'll pull over and ask that big guy for directions. Honey? Yeah? That's a polar bear. Well, then, uh, you could go ask for directions. Nowadays, it's fashionable in advertising to take men down a notch or two. Yet even today, marketers learn the hard way that making light of a woman's place in society is akin to beating the proverbial beehive with the proverbial hockey stick. Early in 2007, Kia felt the ire of many a consumer and several police associations. It showed a female police officer having her way with a Kia driver she had pulled over on a lonely highway. Naysayers wondered what would happen if an ad showed a male officer making it happen with a female driver. While that war wages, bold new social frontiers are opening up. Today's ads reflect a seismic shift, not in sex, but of sexuality. Sociologists, anthropologists, and ologists we haven't even invented yet might one day behold this as the era when closet doors swung wide open. Who'd have thunk that in June Cleaver's lifetime, we'd see an ad for a major bank showing two young women walking hand in hand on a beach where they admire an older, straight couple. Look at them. Incredible, I know. I hope we're like them. In our 70s? Yeah. We have great-grandchildren. Maybe great-great-grandchildren. Just a few years ago, as the first closet doors were easing open, popular culture reacted with nervous unease. In planes, trains, and automobiles, the sentiment was immortalized in this iconic movie moment. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. What was the 1987 remedy for incidental male contact? Why, sports talk, of course. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Bears got a great team this year. They're gonna go all the way. That was then. 20 years later, and in advertising, the rules are different. Witness this Snickers ad from the 2007 Super Bowl. Two mechanics, each eating the end of a Snickers bar, find their lips meeting in the middle. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think we just accidentally kissed. Quick, do something manly. Their solution? They each tear out a tuft of their chest hair. Bob Garfield, critic for Ad Age magazine, panned it, wondering who it would appeal to, given that it makes straight folks squirm and gay folks angry. But advertisers have more to worry about than the wrath of Bob Garfield. Today, messages are being carefully watched by gay, lesbian, transsexual watchdog groups. One such outfit, Human Rights Watch, complained about characters to whom same-sex contact is worthy of self-mutilation. 
they also cited alternate endings posted on the Snickers website. One showed the men aggressively attacking each other. Opponents complained that it encouraged violence against gays. Mars, Snickers' parent company, pulled the ad. Even a public service announcement promoting literacy isn't beyond scrutiny. This TV spot for ABC Learn shows a mechanic, again with the mechanics, poised to reveal to a co-worker that he can't read. Hey, Eddie, uh, boss wants you to fill out this form. Rod, you're not going to believe uh, this, but... I almost forgot. I'm not coming in tomorrow. You know, lately I've been thinking of becoming a woman, so I'm going to go for one of those free consultations. You can cover for me, right? Maybe your dark secret isn't as dark as you think. If you have trouble with writing, reading, or math, look under Learn in the yellow pages. Here, it was the comparison that drew fire. The group, Commercial Closet, complained that a man's transsexual inclinations shouldn't be ranked the darker secret. It's but one example of a bigger point. The rules for advertising are different for those of film, or theater, or literature, or music, or broadcast programs. Ads draw more scrutiny, and they can least afford to offend which is why there's such an accurate record of the tolerances and moods of a given time. So learned the folks at Iron Brew of Scotland, makers of the popular caffeinated soft drink. A few years ago, they created this ad, which was later ordered off the air. A family sings around the piano. Ready, everybody? Everybody in the world loves Iron Brew. I do. Me too. Everybody in the world loves Iron Brew. He does. She does. We does. Me does. And I especially love Iron Brew. Even though I used to be a man. Even though I used to be a man. But that wasn't the part that got it in hot water. It was this. The tag. A final shot of the woman whistling and shaving. With the sound of a razor against coarse bristles an image later deemed offensive to transsexuals. On the strength of 17 complaints, the ad was pulled. Social frontiers and boundaries aren't written. They're assumed. And we only tend to notice them when they're broken. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, What are today's boundaries? I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense. In the age of persuasion, with cable news and YouTube, it's hard to imagine a major Western power electing a leader bound to a wheelchair. Except where it serves a purpose, you won't find advertising featuring actors with physical deformities, speech impediments, or thick accents. In post-9-11 advertising, it's hard to imagine actors of Middle Eastern appearance or manner cast interchangeably with actors of other ethnicities. Likewise, Aboriginal Canadians. It seems to me that every day, the boundary separating acceptable and forbidden changes to the constant distress of advertisers who find themselves stranded on the outside. To explore modern marketing is to chronicle society's tastes and tolerances. A journey that is, at once, hilarious and infuriating, brave and pathetic, insightful and naive. 
Blame advertising if you like for the society it portrays, but you'd just as soon blame your mirror for a bad hair day. Advertising is a reflection of society, and one of my favorite books on the ad business is called The Mirror Makers. But in that definition exists an irony. Advertising isn't allowed to reflect society too accurately. We live in one of the most multicultural countries in the world, and I work in Toronto, one of the most multicultural cities in the world. Yet there are accents I cannot use in advertising, like Japanese, and East Indian, and Yiddish, for fear of being seen as offensive. Maybe the more accurate definition of advertising is that it reflects society as it wants to see itself. In the end, the fault lies not in our ads, dear Brutus, but in ourselves, in the age of persuasion. The Age of Persuasion is created and written by Terry O'Reilly and Mike Tennant. Two straight white Anglo-Saxon males. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Engineer and token Swede, Keith Oman. If this title music offends you, feel free to write to Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. The Age of Persuasion is produced for CBC Radio by Pirate Radio and Television Toronto.